<laughs> Mr. A here saying, how y'all doing? Yo! Are you ready to rumble? Or should I say tumble? Cause I don't stumble. What's up, folks? Welcome to Pain in the Claim. I'm Brent Hooper from Max Claim Solutions. We're uh, up here out of Baltimore, Maryland. As always, I'm here with my good friend, colleague, Jeremy Lavelle from Remedy Claims Consulting out of yes! Dallas. And uh, we call him the mouth of the south for a reason. And uh, working the boards today is good old baby cakes, Miss Donna. How you guys doing? Man, I'm doing great. We warned you people that we would be back and better than ever, and here we are. I, I am so excited <laughs> about this show. You have no idea. Brent's got a brand new set of headphones and completely yeah. brand new mic. Yes. Man, it is almost like a professional podcast here. I am yeah. so stoked. I cannot tell you how much I'm ready to get into this stuff. At a glance, you might think we know what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Brent, I, you know... I kind of want to share with the audience here and for those people out there that may be doubters and wonder about what it is that we do and whether or not we're worth our money and whether or not we we can help you, believe it or not. And it's like, look, we talk about a lot of things. We talk about, I mean, we unpack a lot, but I want you to know that there was an employee from a carrier. Yes, the carrier that you're thinking of, that one, that one that you're thinking of. Yes, that one. <laughs> called me and said to the show and said hey i need you to help me with my claim and i was like where do you what where do you work in that company and they said well i'm an adjuster and uh, i work on the hail team i was like and you want my help to get your claim settled yes sir i had a pipe break and they're not paying my claim so look so if they're not paying your claim they don't pay their own employees claims so don't feel bad I mean, you're in really, really Bad good hands. company. <laughs> Dude, let me bandwagon. Um, I've had two adjusters in the last eight months hire us. Two staff adjusters for two different big box stores. Um, same same type of thing. Out of the clear blue. Um, and these, these adjusters have my phone number, but they called the office. They did the thing. And um, yeah, same thing. Um, it's interesting, huh? I'm Makes getting, I'm getting make... lots of referrals from agents. I, I mean, I saw that coming. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it, a, it's it's thing. so crazy how many people are coming out of the woodwork, especially with. I mean, there's been a clear shift in how claims are handled. I mean, across the entire board of carriers, everybody that's you know dealing and working with claims, there has been a shift in how things have happened, and I really think the culprit there is the pandemic. At least that's my working theory. That's when I really noticed it the most. But um, I mean, so, I mean, did you notice it, Brian? Because you were in it before, and and when did you kind of notice things kind of tripping up there? Okay, so good. That's a good question, man. That's a can of worms. Um, I'll say this for those of you that don't know: I've been been in the industry for I guess a little over five years, and so you know, experientially, that's not a very long time. But to your question, Jeremy, when I came in. I knew nothing. And about three months into, or, you know, Max Claims was born January 1 of 2018. And we had been operating a little bit before that. So January, February, March, we went out to win the storm for the first time. That was my first sort of exposure to, you know, 
the industry. Anyway, to get to your point, my opinion is predicated more off of looking backward uh, over like I went out and then I kind of had win the storm worked for, you know, a couple long years and then COVID. And then here we are now. So those are kind of my three plot points. And um, this is a long answer to a simple question. I noticed a change from day one, about two years in, when guidelines started really tightening up, I felt a shift. And then fast forward, there was a notable change when the lockdown happened because the people that you were used to, to dealing with or working with were now outsourced people that had no claim authority. So I'm sorry for those listening how convoluted that answer was, but five years ago, it was like I took it to the face drinking from a fire hydrant. It took about two years for me to sense changes. Sure. And then fast, fast forward another two and a half years, three years. It's, it is noticeably different today than say then. That was a terrible answer. Well, I mean, the reason I feel guilty, I feel guilty about how fucking long that answer was. (laughs) Well, look, (laughs) the reason I asked that is is because I not only not only did I notice that claims handling had shifted, I noticed it a a huge influx into the industry right around that time and the amount of new public adjusters that are coming on board, the amount of new supplementation companies that are coming in. I mean, kids working in their basement trying to figure out how to write estimates for contractors because it has become so contentious. And so one of the things that we're going to be talking about today, which is going to come to you, we're going to have a a pretty good subject. We're going to have everything. uh, We're going to be discussing everything in 15 minute rounds. Um, When you hear this sound, you'll know that the round has started. And when you hear this sound, you'll know that the round is over today we're going to be talking about what it's like to work in the industry as a public adjuster and whether or not you work with a firm or not work with a firm so um right now and brent get ready because you're gonna you're gonna take you're gonna take this one uh you're gonna take this one for us or whatever so um what are the pros and cons of being a solo operation um she's like like every topic I mean, we could sit here and, you know, we could go for hours about this. But I did, I do have a couple, couple um, bullet points. Pros like any, any work life, you know, hey, when you run it, you own it, it's your thing. You've got more freedom, right? You don't, the proverbial, you don't answer to anybody. I mean, and I think a lot of those cliches when, when tested, actually aren't really true, but you do have more freedom. Um, But with the freedom comes, you don't have the ability to delegate. And so I'll start with that pro and that con. As a solo operator, you kind of control your own destiny. And for some folks, I mean, that's a beautiful thing, right? uh, Some folks, that's what we always dream of. But with that, you... You don't have the ability to delegate. It can get lonely Um, depending on what your network looks like. You know, it can it can quickly become you yourself and your thoughts. Well, I mean, you actually just went through a pretty significant transition at at uh, one point in time prior to the pandemic. How many people were working in your office? um, Shit. 
10 or 12, 10, 10, I think. Sorry. Uh, I will say 10. Well, I mean, you had plus you or had, minus one. I mean, but you had all kinds office. of stuff. Like, uh, you had admin, you had people that were focused on business development. Yeah. You had people that were, that were focused on, you know, you had guys that wrote estimates, you had guys that settled claims. I mean, you pretty much had a, had a clearinghouse was, for claims there. I mean, it was an operation. It was, it was big, it, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah I, I mean, mean, there's, we, we had a, we had an estimating team. We had a claim administrator team. We had intake coordinator, account manager, uh, a salesperson, um, you know, myself and my former partner. And then we had two, two folks that were not in the office, but a part of the daily operation that, um, you know, were very much. Yeah. I mean, and look, we, when I say 10 people in the office, 10, 10 to 12 people, those are W2s. And then we had a, um, you know, a pretty substantial subcontractor, um, you know, framework as well. So, and I want to be clear. I mean, there's no, I mean, because we're going to be talking about a lot of different things as it pertains to, you know, your firm, the business model, kind of how you're operating and look, there's no right or wrong answer. We're just trying to unpack some of the ideas here. And, and Brent, Brent actually went through a pretty significant transition and, and, you know, Brent, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I watched it happen. I sat front row from, um, you know, from a seven figure operation that was, that was running and gunning and an almost, you know, breakneck speed, you know, transition happened. Things, things differed. Um, you know, some relationships change. There's just, I mean, there's all sorts of things that go on and, um, and we do everything and, and despite your best effort and all the things that you do, you know, you're trying to keep it together, you're trying to keep the team together, but you whittled down to basically just you and two admins. And none of those people were the same people that I'm talking about in the original group of people that were in the office. They were actually new people, right? Yeah. I mean, in a, so when we came in, you know, we entered market as the quintessential estimating slash supplementation, you know, third party provider and um we that's what we built off of and then about going you know plus or minus a couple months we'll just say a year and a half two years ago we i basically on a took a hard pivot to go to strictly pa and so to going to your point yeah it was we went from sort of the business model that i described to within we'll say a calendar year I completely turned over my staff and right by turnover. I mean, again, to your point, it was like new, new people Yeah, turned them um, over to, and, uh, to, to new employers. Yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, and you know, so I, within the last, within the last 24 month window, you know, I can confidently say that I went from being, you know, not a, not a, 10, 15, 20, 30, you know, not some crazy operation, but just sort of your quintessential small business to more of your quintessential solo operator, if that makes sense. Right. Well, when I, when I jumped into this, I mean, I basically, and it's really kind of funny because I, I jumped into this as an entrepreneur right about the time that I had met Brent. 
And so I was coming off of Hurricane Michael. I had uh, I had worked for the carrier on Hurricane Michael for a brief time, and then I went and worked with the roofer out in Florida in uh, the Panama City Beach area. And I had was I was just basically handling his supplement desk, and because he wanted an inside guy, so essentially Brent and I were doing pretty much the same job. I I happened to be an estimator, and I was. Uh, was really pretty new at the whole trying to fight on this side of it. But what I did know is I did know policy and I did know how to estimate and I knew those things and I could stand behind that. And so when I came into and I decided to start remedy claims, I mean, I knew absolutely nothing. Um, I knew very little about public adjusting, uh, you know, as far as the business model of public adjusting. I'm not talking about claims handling. I'm talking about the business model here. So claims handling I had down, but I didn't even know like the paperwork or or who we get to sign what and how do we figure out, um, you know, what comes next in the process and should I be sending a seven day letter or should I be like, I knew how to go take pictures. I knew how to estimate. I knew how to, I knew how to, uh, I knew how to estimate, I knew how to put a file together and how to turn it in and how to do it. But I did not know all of the things that I had to do as a public adjuster because that had always been done for me before. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't, it was just something that, and I had only worked a part of the claims process. It was only a part and dealing with somebody from the moment that the loss occurs and handling it all the way to the end, even if that end is litigation is a much bigger job. And I can tell you, I mean, in my head, I thought I could do everything. I really did. And I realized that if I didn't figure out how to automate really quickly, so I'm going to tell you automation is both a pro of being a solo operation and it can also be a con. You know what I mean? Because you can be, you can start depending on that automation and it is not always your friend. Sometimes you actually have to turn around and pay attention to it and, and, and feed it the information it needs to really help you. Yeah, that's actually, um, that's a pro tip. Shit. I didn't even like that. When, when we uh, put together the run sheet, I didn't even. I didn't even think about that. Like all the procedure process related things. That, again, it's not just public adjusting, but any business, all the process related, the, the little steps you start throwing in automation. You got to be careful. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Mean, and, and it's like, you know, and the scary thing is, is you can think you're doing everything right. I, you know, I do my best to find out the information I can. You should have seen the look on my face the first time a carrier sent me a 1099. Now, I knew it had oh, to be dude. a mistake, right? I knew that there was no way that I owed, you know, taxes on $800,000. They're, they're tri- they've been trickling into my office the last two weeks, and every single time I look at it and laugh, I'm like, shit. Now everybody's going to know wish. what to do. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 um, I tell you, though, another another sort of pro that I wrote down is, and again, it's all based on personality and what you want or what you're after, but control, you know, when you're by yourself, you got more control when you're, when you're working your claims cradle to grave, you control it, you service it, you do what you do as you see fit. Um, but you, the, the equal but opposite reaction of that is you can't grow, you know? Well, you hit a ceiling, you hit a ceiling, right? You know, I mean, you know, and, and, and guess what? Some people look at that and they go, I, I don't care. You know, I don't want to grow. I want to be able to work the claims I want to work, work them when I want to work them. If I want to take three months out of the year and not service claims, it, it, that could be the best thing. But a lot of times when you're 
talking to a business owner, usually there's some part of them that has a growth aspiration. And as a solo operator, achieving any level of growth is, I mean, it's, it's exceptionally challenging because you have to do everything. Um, you know, depending on how, how you balance your workload out, it, it can be really, it, it can just be, uh, very difficult. So, well, I mean, um, yeah, so the idea here, I mean, I don't know if I would go into businesses for myself if I, w- if I didn't have my eyes set on growth. Right. I mean, but there is, let me tell you something. There is something, there's something to be said about all the men and women out there that aren't running what I would necessarily deem a business. I think we use that word a lot, but it's not necessarily what I mean here. It's, there's a difference between owning your own business and owning your own job. Okay. And so when you own your own business, there is a whole lot more that goes into it. Generally, a business is involved with multiple people, multiple roles. You've got, so you've got multiple seats in the business. You've got different responsibilities. You've got different goals for each, whether you're talking about the financial goals, you're talking about the marketing goals, or you're talking about, you know, the, the production goals. All of these things go into making a business. And so what I'm telling you is, is if you're a solo operator and you don't have any claims, you're not a public adjuster you're a salesman and that's the end of it you know what i mean and then once you get a claim then you get to be a public adjuster for a little while and then once that's done you have to take that hat off and become part of the finance team where you're sending out invoices and making sure everything gets paid and then when that hat's done now you put it back on and now you're a salesman again and here's the really fun part is there's never a day that goes by that you're not switching those hats at some level and eventually you begin to feel like you don't really get to pick what you do for the day and i found that to be the hardest thing for me is i felt like i was always being run as a solo operator push 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 that is what i feel by and large all of the time yeah yeah. And, you know, in my experience, some of that stuff, unless unless you take very hard corrective measures, um, that stuff only compounds. So there, there's another element there. Sure. Um, and something something I tell folks all the time, again, not just in public adjusting, but when I'm talking to mentors or whatever, sometimes we have a, a proclivity toward looking at these different parts of our business in like a binary way. So to use your example, it's like today I'm going to sell tomorrow. I'm going to estimate then Wednesday. I'm going to make my follow-up calls. And then Thursday, Thursday, I'm going to focus on AR. Right. Guess what? That doesn't fucking work. (laughs) You know what I mean? I I love the whole time blocking idea. And and it works in some kind of, but it's very difficult as a solo guy wearing all those hats. Fires don't wait for you you to put them out. You need to put them out when they start. (laughs) Right. Yeah. yeah. And they don't tell you, they don't tell you when they're going to start. Yeah, Yeah, no, it's true. And they don't tell you when they're going to start. You you don't get a text message. It's like, Hey, this fire is about to start. Um, So, yeah, I mean, but you know, again, it's, while all of that's very challenging, I have met a few folks um, that I would call, you know, very good friends, colleagues, whatever, that they run a very small, nimble shop. They're seemingly happy. Their days aren't without stress like any of us, but like they make a ridiculous amount of money and they don't have the stress of, you know, 
five, 10, 20, you know, other adjusters or staff or, you know, whatever, whatever category those folks fall into, because that's a thing, man. That's a, that's a thing, you know, when, when you're, when you're at the helm, you know, so many other things become your responsibility other than the shelf life of that claim. Yeah. Livelihoods and bills and liability and payroll and benefits and vacations and employees, kids being sick and employees being, I mean, you know, all, all that other stuff becomes a part of your purview that has nothing to do with your capacity to actually service a freaking property claim. So, you know, again, it brings me back to the pro. Hey, if, if, if you're eating what you kill and you're proficient and you've got a good, good setup for yourself, you can, you can make a, (laughs) she can make a quite a good living doing this stuff. And you, you really, you really, really can make a really good living doing it. And, and you know what? And sometimes that's okay for what you're doing. You know what I'm saying is I don't want to, and and please don't hear anything that I've said. If that's what you want and that's how you want to work, it is a great living and it's a great way to go. I would just encourage you to be ready to automate because automation is going to be the big key and being ready to outsource. And if you're outsourcing more than about $40,000 a year to one particular area, probably time to hire somebody. That's what I would think. So, you know, there you go. So who's our uh, who's our first spot on who are we uh, who are we talking about right now? Um, We're talking about Veterans Claim Victory. Veterans Claim Victory, awesome organization. So Veterans Claim Victory, military veterans and first responders need our help. Um, it's not uncommon for difficulty to happen when transitioning to civilian and work life, um, but they can thrive in meaningful and rewarding careers. Um, Veterans Claim Victory is a 501c3 nonprofit that helps veterans and first responders transition to civilian work in the insurance claim industry. I love this one, by the way. Um, We can reach many of these heroes and assist in educating, education, training, job placement, and support, regardless of the insurance claim career they choose. Uh, for more information, visit, visit veteransclaimvictory.org. Great organization. I can't speak, man. I've butchered that. But it's a great organization. <laughs> man, they are oh, a great man. organization. And I've actually talked to a couple of people that they've placed, actually. And they're doing really, really well. I mean, for those, for those of you who may know a veteran, and let me kind of tell you one of the things that they do that I think is great. Not that Brent didn't do a great job explaining who they are. But one of the things they do is they pay for the education. Like Cal Spoon's got a boot camp down in Galveston, and they help finance getting them down there with their room and board and their tuition to basically learn um, how to work in this industry. And it's not just public adjusting; it's independent adjusting. It's you know becoming an insurance salesman. Anything that is in the uh, area of insurance, they're helping get those guys placed, and it's a pretty awesome deal. I think they can they can that get placed in with restoration companies depends on what they want to do oh awesome that is I, I just love that people actually care enough to try to do that i mean i i'm so I, that is awesome if you are a restoration company or a, a carrier or agent that might be listening um get with get with mark goldwich he's with gold is it gold star adjuster gold star, adjusting. gold star adjusting i mean you he's all over he's all over facebook and the internet i mean you i mean you can get a hold of him again you can go to veteransclaimvictory.org and reach out to him through there he's a really good dude he's always happy to help out so 
Um, so here we go. <laughs> Pros and cons of working for a firm. This is, uh, you know, what do you want to just take the first obvious one? I'm sorry, I'm holding that button. For that no wasn't reason. me. That was me, guys. Yeah, that was me. So, uh, the pros and cons of working for a firm. Obviously, you know, let's just go ahead and talk about it now because it's, you know, what do you call it? The the naked guy at the party. You know, <laughs> the financial split of it all. You do not get to keep all of the money, and so you're going to have to split. And I think that that is probably the most prevalent con that I know of. Is there a bigger one than you can think of, Brent? I mean, so one of the, and I, I think this applies to, again, I know we're talking in the context of public adjusting, but I think it applies a lot in business, um, especially in our industry, industry specific. Answer your question is no, I mean, money is important. Money is a driver in everything that we all do, you know, whether, so no, I can't think of a trickier con than, than the splits and the money. Um, and never mind paying enough or not getting paid enough. You know, the reality is every freaking claim is different, right? So, the man, I could I could talk about this for a while, but like a lot of this stuff, but every claim's different, and so you want to you want to attach a you know we're we're inclined to attach a percentage to different aspects of the claim, and I'm going to speak from experience here. So we come up with this split, and to to do to sell it, you get X to scope it, you get Y to estimate it, you get Z. If you do, you know, X and Y, you get both. Well, as an owner, as an operator, whatever you want to call it, you know, sometimes you look at it and you're going, Jesus, like, well, that wasn't, that's not a really sustainable split in a scenario like that. Conversely, if you're the, the employee or the adjuster or whatever, you know, you might have a, a split that you're absolutely in love with. You're getting paid well, but then you run into a scenario where you're like, holy shit, like I just did all this and I only made X. So in, in a sentence, yeah, it's, it's really nuanced because every scenario is different. And but that's the part, it's hard, it's hard had, to get away from that. It's hard to not think about. That yeah. Anymore. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, you know, experienced adjusters, the likes of you, Jeremy, or me, or the, you know, the 50 other public adjusters that you and I both know, what the hell do they want to leave their operation to come quote unquote work for me or work for, you know, like, so, you know, working for a firm, I think if you're newer to the industry, I think it's a great idea. You know, if I could rewrite the script, i think I would have really benefited from some mentorship early on from someone that, you know, was a claims guy or gal or whatever. Um, but the- I, I think, I think, let me, let me just jump in here if, if I can, if that's okay, because yeah. I, I see, I see exactly where you're headed and I don't want to just take your, take, take the ball away and run here. No, I mean, I, 
what I, what I'm what I, what I see here is is you brought something up, especially if you're new, guys. Let me tell you something. If you're new, I almost feel like I would just encourage you to work for a firm. I was on the phone with a brand new adjuster today. Just got his license in January, and he's working for his cousin. And uh, he's, uh, you know, he's he's going out. He's going out on his own. You know, and and I applaud the bravery that it takes to launch out on your own. But I will tell you that the split that you have with the firm in your first two or three years of claims adjusting is probably going to save you more than it costs you. And that is a hard reality. And whether it is... um, you know, that firm can be very, very valuable when it just boils down to a settlement that you might have got to keep all of the money from. But if you are with the firm and you split that money with them, that settlement very well may be a much larger settlement. You know what I'm saying? Just because of approach and strategy, the ability to document, because generally the carrier is not going to pay for any of the expenses required to prove the loss. You're going to have to go fight for that. And they're not just going to offer up their money to pay for your engineer that you had to, that you had to use to refute the carrier's engineer. What are you going to do when you come up against that and you don't have any money and all it is, is your word. And so that's the scary thing about being on your own. That's where a firm really comes in and can help you out because they have other resources. They have, they have other, other, you know, other solutions in place that are a functioning part of the process. Whereas you as a solo guy wouldn't have it. So if you're new, at least go learn what those are. I would tell anybody it's spend at least a year or two with a firm. Like in Florida, I think you have to, you have to be an apprentice for six months before you can even go sign claims on your own. So they insist on it. So there's some real wisdom there, I think. You know what, dude? And and it, look, and I know because I learn by trial, and I had the good fortune of having people like you and others that are a lot smarter than me around me that I could run things through. If you're thinking about jumping off that cliff, uh, like, uh, you know, kudos like i'm all about the entrepreneurial nature and the bravery and all that i i mean it but the thing is we have a govern you know we have a state regulated license right right and so you might be you might be the the you might have all the construction knowledge you might have all the skills to do the job but there's all these little landmines in the process and you might think you're doing everything right until you get a knock at the door. And by the way, I'm not, I'm not um, like I deal with that stuff now as a firm owner operator, you know, there's all these little things and regs change and this and that. So again, it's like one more thing that if you don't have that experience, it's not going to hurt you to go work with some people or a firm rather, that's got some processes, some protocols in place. They're battle tested. They, they know what the, you know, they kind of know what the hell they're doing. Right. Um, you know, it's a go, go learn, go learn from someone else's mistakes. Sure. Um, and research the firm. You know, I mean, yes. I mean, that's a big one too. There's plenty of people um, you can talk to. And if they've had a bad experience, they will tell you. Sure. I mean, well, it, it, that and that goes for any any job, any company, any interview. You know, it's like do your homework. <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I feel folks, like 
I always tell folks when when you're sitting down for a job interview, you're interviewing you're interviewing the employer as much as they're interviewing you. Don't ever get it twisted. Right. Right. And and I'm going to tell you that as a public adjuster, more than likely you're not going in as a W2 employee. You know what I mean? You're going to right. go in as a 1099 independent contractor that is that is going to work through their firm. And so I'm going to tell you, you kind of get the taste in the best of both worlds there. You get all of the yeah. resources in the financial backing of having the firm and all the autonomy of being of being a solo gig. And so what I'm going to tell you there is, again, is if you're new, those firms end up probably saving you way more than they cost you is, is one thing that I will tell you. And, you know, I'm going to also throw this out there. If you're new and you're starting and you're, you know, one of the things that you definitely need to make sure that you have, if you're not working for a firm is insurance. And if you don't have like errors and omission insurance, general liability, I know we have bonds filed with a lot of states. I mean, multiple states out there required you to have a bond. There's all of these sorts of things that, that come into play when you're, when you're out there working claims and you're doing your own thing or whether you're working for a firm or not. I've got a good friend of mine that, that is going through a really big struggle right now because somebody erroneously filed a complaint on his license. And it's the most right. ridiculous thing that I've ever heard. But the thing is, is it doesn't matter whether or not it's erroneous. It means he's got to sit there and address it. And in his particular situation, he has a firm to back him up. And that right. is going to be absolutely key. And I'm just talking about the emotional support that can come from a firm. I think that that is a really big thing. The ability to be on a team and, and, and unpack things and workshop things, you know, and as much. And so those are all really good things. But the thing is, is what you're going to have to wait on and watch very closely is that the consistency of the work product as the firm experiences turnover, maybe you lose that really good negotiator. That really good um, desk adjuster that has that's been settling your claim, and now that has changed. You didn't do anything different. They didn't really do anything different. People move on. So those are things that you just want to keep a keep an eye on because when you're solo and you're handling all of your claims cradle to grave, you are in control of the work product and the consistency therein. Whereas if you're working for a firm, some of those things are taken out of your hands. I know a lot of firms that hire public adjusters simply to get contracts signed. And that's and those guys love that, you know. So, yep. so so here's something too in the in the the paradigm of a firm, right? Every claim, every firm, every claim needs to be marketed. There there needs to be some sort of way, whether it's word of mouth, social media, website, whatever it is. There's got to be some wheel turning that generates leads coming in the door. Lead comes in the door. Every claim, every Every one of those leads needs to be converted, which means it needs to be sold. From there, depending on what kind of claims you're doing and how you're set up, more than likely, to some degree, every one of those needs to be scoped, which means you got to go out, you got to look at it, you got to see it. Every claim needs to be estimated. 99% of the time, as a public adjuster, an estimate's coming from somewhere, whether you write it, you got a contractor's estimate, but that's a part of the process. Every claim is going to be, need to be negotiated. Yes, yes, I know. Every every now and again, we have a fucking unicorn where we send it in and we don't have to talk to anybody and they just cut a check. But that is the exception, certainly not the rule. Last but not least, when oh negotiated and settled, right? Correct. You got to settle the damn thing. And then last but not least, you got to get paid. Oh! 
<laughs> that is if, that is if, the most shocking part of the entire process, people. I'm going to tell you that is the hardest thing and the most nerve wracking thing for me. Now that it's all over and everybody's happy and the confetti's hit the ground, it's like a yeah. Now I need my check, please. Yeah. Right, and you just worked game. on. <laughs> Right. Right. And you, you just worked on that claim for, you know, 30, 60, 90 days. It takes you another three weeks to get it. Oh, shit. I didn't realize, you know, insert bank was going to be on this check. Oh, now, now, oh, this is a monitored claim. Oh, so anyway, um, I lost my train of thought. Oh, with a firm and as a public adjuster, identify what you like to do. See, that's that's sort of it's another benefit of working for a firm. There is a process. There are things that need to happen on every claim. And as a public adjuster, maybe you don't like to estimate, you know, maybe that's just not like, you don't, you don't want to deal with that. Well, chances are that firm has either got either a, a, a service provider provider dialed in or they have staff estimators or whatever. And there, so therefore that particular facet of that claim or the claims that you service isn't really your problem because the firm has resources in place to, to handle it. Yeah. Um, the other thing the firm yeah. can do is if you have something that happens in your area, really, which you have no control over, hailstorms, nor'easterns, uh, or nor'easters, uh, the, 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 you know, the freeze that we had here, you know, hurricanes, when something happens in your area, having a firm to back you up and support you, because I'll tell you what will happen is you're going to capsize when there, when there is an inrush of claims and you sign that client, that contractor that has the ability to make all of your dreams come true. The reason you got into this, <laughs> the, I mean, it is the lottery ticket sitting right there in front of you. And all you have to do is work 90 claims. Yeah. They will quickly become your worst nightmare. That's all you have to do is just work 90 claims and you will never have 90 more hard fought contended. If you plan to contend contended claims, my God, I I'm just telling you. And I, and I remember the first time that it happened. I thought, shit. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. I mean, we are going, I mean, blasters. I could feel the rumblings and we were about to blast into outer space and we were to never be seen. It was going to be so awesome and we capsized. We just got bitch slapped right there in front of everybody. It was a nightmare. And it didn't help that my contractor ended up filing double claims on everything because he couldn't get re-inspections. So he just filed another claim. It was it was oh, crazy. I, I mean, no truer words have ever been spoken, Jeremy. No truer fucking words have ever been spoken. Oh, and let me add, you will not, I promise you, you will not make nearly as much money as you think you are in that situation. That is correct. That <laughs> so so if for for anybody listening, when that when that happens, that isolated incident, and you because it will, and that contractor or that referral partner, whoever it is. You're sitting there going, holy shit, all I, it's, all I got to do is work my, my ass off for the next five months. We're going to be fed. We got this dry powder. You're counting, you're counting your chips before you even sign a claim. I promise you, don't go out to dinner that night. Don't do it. Because you're not, don't do it. Don't buy something new. Don't do it. Don't go buy a new car. Please don't do that. That is the worst thing in the world that you can do because 
Oh man, I could. Oh geez, I, I, I'm getting. It is so good to work for a firm until you have a good amount of time under your belt. I would tell you that that is one of the biggest pros. Is it lets you kind of see some of the twists and turns in the road that are always there. Now, there's always going to be bumps, twists, turns, potholes. You know, bridges out that we don't see coming, and it's going to hit anybody. But the positive thing about the firm is if you get overloaded, there's somebody there that can bail you out, and you also have the benefit of experience, whether running a business, the business portion of it, or the operational portion of it. So, guys, that is the pros and cons of working uh, with a firm. And right now, I want to let you guys know that the Paint of the Claim is looking for sponsors. Guys, this stuff isn't free. We put a lot of hard work into it, and we want to add production value. We want to grow our listenership. We want to do everything we can, and we would love to promote a business that provides services or equipment to public adjusters, restoration companies, roofers, contractors, whatever. And some uh, some examples would be like safety gear or roofing-related products, restoration equipment, payment services, CRMs, report services, um, engineering people. There's all kinds of different automations out there, social media help, videography for, for all of these uh, different things they want to go on so guys we are looking for sponsors and if you are a small entrepreneur we have some very affordable rates that we can uh that we can pass on to you and we can help you get your business out there the pain of the claim is looking for sponsors and we would love to hear from you if you are interested um please uh hey baby case why don't you tell them where they can email and get information from the pain of the claim at gmail.com the pain of the claim at gmail.com will get you hooked up so all right how do you scale or how do you know when to go ahead and go from being a solo operation into being a full-blown firm can i can i say something real quick sure um if you're really busy that's the worst time to hire someone you may think it's the best time but it is the worst time to hire someone oh yeah don't wait for it to start raining to build the ark, guys. It's, uh, wow, man, these, uh, do you want to start? Look, man, I, yeah, I'm going to start because that's, that's kind of, I mean, just exactly the exchange that you saw between me and Brent right there. I heard between me and Brent, do, do you want to start? It's like a microcosm of what it feels like of whether or not you want to go from just being a solo operation to bringing other people on guys. It is a very heavy decision. And I am going to tell you that there is a couple of things that you should be good at before you get into that and if you're not good at it you need to you need to have somebody and that's basically time management organization and understanding what is essential because the day you decide to open a firm and hire other people or bring other people on or be or basically present yourself as a resource to somebody else as it pertains to a living just be ready to not do the thing that you ever got into business to do in the first place just be ready because that job likely will, if it doesn't end, it will be drastically cut down to almost very, very minimal amounts. So that's one that's one thing that I would tell you. Staff changes everything. And so, you know, if you're in this situation where you're, 
you know, you're running and gunning by yourself or very small. When I, you know, look, I think it's important that we kind of define what we mean by solo operator. It, it doesn't necessarily mean it's just you. Um, you know, it could be you and a, and an admin or you and maybe, you know, someone part time or it, some, it basically you plus one per se, or maybe two dependent, yeah, whatever. Okay. I think I made my point. When you decide that you want to start adding on full-time operators, you know, whether that's administrative support, field support, estimating support, um, could be desk adjusting support, sales support. It your dynamic changes because I mean, and there's so many obvious things to, to support that that statement. But you know, guess what? When you wake up, when you wake up, it, you're not at least if you're really trying to own, run, grow, manage the business, you're not waking up and thinking about what you, what claims you need to follow up on or what homeowners you are responsible for. No, it's like a multiplier. And if you're not organized, it can be chaos. Let me, let and, me just... and the, the, hold on. And the, and the thing is, is like, it's not just the, the, it's not just are the claims moving is the, is the claim being worked the way that you see fit. No, no, no. It's it's all the other intangibles that surround another human being, and I kind of alluded to this earlier, where it, like that's the part yeah. that gets tricky. Oh man, validation. You know? Oh man. Well, it's, it, and it's and it's all of the it's all of the nuance that comes because people don't walk into your office looking for a job because they because you look like you need help. They're not they're not in there to because they're sympathetic to your your situation and how much work you have to get done. And they just thought they'd come in here and, and lend you a hand for a fair amount, you know, for a fair trade of a salary. No, they're there because they in some way envision you as the next step in their 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 pathway to success, if you will. I mean, whatever that may look like to the individual. I have never once gotten a, went and gotten a job because of what they got out of it. Never once. Right. It was always what I got out of it and what it was going to do for me and how it was going to affect my life. And so understand that when you're sitting across the desk from somebody in the middle of an interview, that that's what they're there for. Now, they, they, they hope you can do that for them. And, and, and here's the thing. I, I don't want any, any of the stuff that we're talking about to come across with like a negative connotation. There are some, I mean... There's plenty of really successful firms. There's plenty of successful firms and there's plenty of really, really freaking successful, uh, you know, solo operators or really small operations, right? I think it's important to remind our listeners that we're not trying to steer anybody one way or the other. I think the, the underscore to most of our dialogue is give these things that we're talking about the consideration that they deserve. Because I'll tell you what, no, I, I, and I've said it a couple of times, I didn't have anybody, A, I didn't have the experience and B, you know, three years ago, four years ago, I didn't have anybody saying, Hey, look out for this, look out for that. I made, I have made mistakes over the last five years that have cost more fucking money than I, oh my God. I can, I, like oh it, it makes my stomach hurt. Oh my God. You know, and it's just yeah. like, so, Hey, if nothing more, if nothing more, you know, 
I can sit sit around and talk about the mistakes I made. I wish I kind of would have had someone going, hey, be careful for this or watch out for that. Or you might want to consider this or you might want to consider that. Um, I didn't really have that. And, you know, and so be it. I mean, here we are and, you know, we're moving and grooving and, and life's great. But um, for crying out loud, man. You know, and dude, we should do another, we should do an episode on this and get more specific. Some mistakes. Well, yeah, I think we could do three rounds on the pros. Yeah, I think we could do three rounds on pros and cons of being a solo operator. I think we could do shows for days on this. And look, guys, I mean, I cannot tell you the number of times I I envisioned myself atop the mountain with the wind blowing in in my balding head. And, and I, you know, and I, and I lean out there because I am such a visionary. I see all of the pie in the sky stuff. I see all of what it's going to be like. Hell, I even found, I could even see the car that I drove up in to stand on the mountaintop because you know, I didn't climb that shit. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm telling you. You can see my Range Rover in the background or whatever. So it's like, I, I envision all of that stuff and I, and I appreciate the dreamer in each and every one of you. And I want to encourage that. I would never discourage you from going out and trying because look, man, there is, there is no better teacher than pain. And so when you get out there and you get hit the first time with something from the state, say, you know what I mean? And there's nobody around, you know, I just want you to remember that as a solo operator, and if you haven't scaled yet, you know, and, and it's, and it's cold and it's dark and, 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 you know, you're scared and all of this stuff going, I just want to remind you help ain't coming, man. You're a solo operator. And so, you know, you may be doing really well and it may be very well time for you to level up and for you to step up and become a firm and add that other operator. But I would really look at adding somebody that is going to, that is going to shore up what you're doing at an operational level and stuff that you don't really like to do, but they love to do. I mean, so um, go ahead, Brent. I want to, I want to chime in on that. I want to chime in on that because there's an undertone of what you just said. So, you know, if you want to, whether whether you're starting your firm or you want to grow, I, I don't like the word scale, but whether you want to start your own firm tomorrow or you're looking to, you know, make personnel additions and things like that or grow your firm in the near future. Some some basic advice I would give is know your numbers. Absolutely. Know, know, you know, and, Absolutely. And, and people say that all the time, but specific to our industry, know your numbers. Know what kind of claims you know, know what kind of claims you that are in your wheelhouse. Right. And with that being said, do, do you want to do more of the claims you're doing or is your next hire sort of intended to maybe bolster your firm? Right. Yeah. So, so for example, you know, I, I, you know, I broke my teeth on a, a fuck ton of roofing claims and throughout all of those roofing claims, roofing claims and exterior claims with minimal interior, then a tree claim would get sprinkled in, then a fire, then a water, then a tree, then a more roofs. And uh, now I got a flat roof or now. So, but my point is, is like, I, I kind of, I broke my teeth on that. So as a owner operator, I wanted to bring someone in. I identified like, I don't know shit about servicing fire claims. And so I'm not going to go pound my chest telling people I'm an expert in fire. No, I think, you know what? I, I got my numbers sort of figured out. I know, you know, I did the, I did the math and I think that here's from a budget standpoint, 
if because you, sometimes you're going to have to invest, you're going to have to front some money, all that. I don't want to get in the weeds, but know your numbers, know your numbers, and understand what you're trying to get accomplished with the person you're bringing in. Exactly. Are you trying to do? Are you trying to do more of the work that you're doing because the work that you're doing is good? You know, in terms of margins, um, no cycle times. Right. From the day your phone rings with Johnny homeowner saying, I need help to the day that you get paid your, the last check, how long does it take? <laughs> because, and, and I, ladies and gentlemen, I, Jeremy's laughing because the answer to that question is 30 days to two years. Right. So have fun. I'm still trying with- to unpack. <laughs> right? right. What are your cycle times? If anybody's taking any sort of notes, you should have a CRM that tracks some of this stuff. The data, your claim data is your best friend. And I'm not talking about your claim notes. I'm not, I'm talking about your metrics. That's correct. Know your numbers, know your cycle times, know your metrics. If you've been humping, yep. If you've been humping and bumping claims, you know, for a year, two, five by yourself, and you don't have any metrics, I would challenge that individual to get it, you know, invest the time, the money, get a CRM set up and start tracking metrics for three or four months. So you can get some sort of a sample size and from there build some sort of iteration of a forecast. So when you bring that next person in, you have something to measure against other than how you feel about how you perform. Right. Right. I would also say to make sure that you're actually hiring because every time we brought someone in, we weren't, they came to us and said, Hey, are you hiring? And we're like, sure. And there was, we didn't really plan out how we were going to fit that person in. Yeah. And none of them work for us anymore. Nope. <laughs> they, they, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, they'll leave you in crowds. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they will. And I, in, in, in maintaining morale in an office. And I would just like to say about knowing your numbers, that's the difference between being an entrepreneur and a wantrepreneur. Okay, Um, for all you Shark Tank fans out there, you know where I got that word. I did not make that word up. But knowing your numbers, because you're not just going to get out there. And I'm going to tell you, unless you're playing the lottery and you're aware of some algorithm that nobody else is, you're not going to become a millionaire by accident. Okay, you're not it's not you're not going to be you're not going to do that by accident. You have to do it absolutely on purpose. And it's got to be it's got to be an effort. You know, you've got to work towards it. So that's so, that's the one thing I would say for sure there too. So I, I, I wanna yeah, I'm dude, I'm gonna keep going on that. The I have been in the situation where I think I know my numbers, you know, take a great deal of confidence in my understanding of my numbers until you get somebody in the room say um my business partner that looks at the numbers differently yeah and is like brent what you're saying doesn't make any sense and here's why so with that and i've experienced that i've been there done it i've been kicked in the teeth more than more than i care to talk about tonight by you know having someone tell me that i need to know my numbers I take the time to try to understand the numbers, but my understanding is wrong. So my advice on that is, look, if that's not your strong suit, get other opinions. Yeah. It's that simple. Like, you know, 
fucking pay somebody, hire somebody, someone that has the business acumen that understands how money works, how cash flow works, how projection, financial projections and forecasts work. Yeah. You know, if, if you're, if you've never read a P and L, if, if you don't know what a PL is, we're not going to tell you what that stands for. If you don't know what a PL is, then go find a job at a firm. <laughs> you know, look, again, I started a business. I never, I had never read a PL before. Now I quickly became aware of them and, you know, looking at them. But again, my, my point here in a sentence is the money is really important and you need to understand how it works. You need to understand how it works in your business. And that's, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm done on that for now. You have to remember $40,000 a month in revenue is not $40,000 a month into your household. Okay. So <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. that's what I realize I that remind. now you yeah. will be disappointed. Yeah. No, know that, know that yeah. to be the truth. And, and look guys, we're not trying to come from a know-it-all standpoint. What we're trying to Fuck do now. is help you, uh, uh, dodge some of the bullets that struck us down you know what i mean like i mean crippled us in some places and and one of the things i would give you is more than likely what is probably the best of ideas if you can do it organically obviously not this isn't but if you have the ability to rather than maybe start a firm you might look at co-oping with another public adjuster as it pertains to things like uh you know like crms and subscription services where you can you can pay for one you know pay for the platform and then it's like a, a user fee thereafter and so that that way you're kind of managing some costs there you have the support you've got the you've got people to bounce ideas off of i cannot tell you where i would be as a public adjuster if the gentleman that is on this show with me right now wasn't with me many many steps of the way just being able to unpack things and i'm going to tell you there have been conversations that have gotten very lively i mean there's been a lot of a lot of belly aching and crying and complaining about what we wanted you know what i mean and so sometimes yeah. when you get what you want it 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 can be a really scary thing and i know i went through some emotional just per, just to be a little transparent i went through some emotional struggles as it pertains to like anxiety and being able to push through some of the stuff guys i am not playing the stress is real the weight is real okay and so if you're in the middle of that please know that there is not just emotional help out there, but there's also professional help that will help you kind of unpack sort of the situation that you're in. I mean, I, I, I can't think of a single public adjuster I've ever met in my life that isn't willing or at least offered to help somebody. So, I mean, there's outlets out there. You can reach out to me. You can reach out to the commercial claims advocate. I know that there's a lot of people and we have a large network of guys that if you're, if you've got too many claims to work, I've got public adjusters right now dying to work claims. And they right. can they can they can help you work some claims, whether it's some estimating, whether it's you know, and if you're just kind of overwhelmed or whatever, there are guys out there that are willing to work some claims. You just have to get ready to kind of communicate it and um and, and get ready because if you're ready to scale up and kind of do your own firm thing, this is a really good way to do it. It's just kind of get out there and sort of outsource a little bit and sort of see what the different work product looks like. That would be another encouragement that I would have. So absolutely. I mean, look, man. Um, I, I, Jeremy, you correct me if I'm wrong, brother, but a lot of what you just said was sort of the, the, um, 
it precipitated us doing this podcast. Absolutely. It's why we do this. That is it. Yeah. It's, it's, we, we did, we didn't start doing this because we wanted to get on here for an hour a week and tell everybody how great we are. (laughs) No, you know, I want to give credit where credit's due real quick. Brent baby cakes was the one that would sit and listen to me and Brent for hours on the phone. I mean, solving the problems of the world. I mean, we would just unpack every detail of a claim and so you would not believe how much i learned like, <laughs> way more than i wanted to <laughs> well and 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 again it's like you know i identify with being a pretty confident guy i work hard i'm pretty resourceful um and things like that but i'm not always one that wants to go get on a facebook forum with 300 people and ask what might be the dumbest fucking question any public adjuster has seen that day yeah right and you know here we are and and it's kind of like well i know how i felt and if somebody listens to you and i rumble and Maybe we say one thing in one episode that changes the trajectory of one claim or one interaction. We did our job, right? You know? I agree. I've, I, I, it's been a it's been a really fast, you know, turbulent five years for me. And if if somebody can learn from a mistake or two or any any sort of experience I've had, then then that's great. I did. I we did our job on the podcast today. You know, I would. Oh yeah, I, I can't agree more. You know, you know what I'm, and so, and, and it's like why we sit around and do this kind of thing because I'm going to tell you why we're really one of the reasons I wanted to share it with you guys. And I really appreciate Donna being the one that said, we need to talk about this. We need to talk about this because she was the one that realized, I mean, because she was sort of coming in in the situation because I had, you know, I, when you live next to the beach, you're used to being wet, right? And so, I mean, Donna coming in, having not been in the situation and around this, she was, she was not as desensitized as I was to it. And she's learning, she's like, is this really true? And I'm like, yeah, that's the way this works. And right after we first started dating, she actually had a claim that I helped her out on and, um, and kind of how that, I mean, the thing, it went fine. You know what I mean? There wasn't anything, you know, contentious about the thing. The claim went just fine. I just had no idea. What, Did, where to even start. Right. And and what it meant, whether or not it would have gone okay. She would have just kind of taken it, not knowing that there was any other recourse. You know, I mean, how do you fight that big I was company? also selling my house at the time, and it was a week before closing. So <laughs> it there was, was that too. Yeah. And and it wasn't something that, I mean, because we had a hailstorm in the area, and she had to get that taken care of. And fortunately, you know, she knew somebody that could help her along. But there's lots of people out there that don't have that. And You know, and there's lots of people out there that are working in areas that don't have the benefit of getting to meet, you know, that counterpart. You know what I'm saying? The guy that you can really bounce things off of. So you should always get a mentor. You know what I mean? Always have that mentor. Um, I would also encourage you that if you're really thinking about, you know, starting your own firm and and one of the things that you want to look at is I would get with a business coach before I pull any triggers whatsoever. You know what I mean? And I I think that, you know, that way they can tell you, they can tell you exactly what it is that you're missing so that you can go get those things shored up right away. And I, I I can't tell you enough how important that is. Get with some coaching, get with some mentoring and get with some people that will, that will tell you the truth, no matter how much it hurts. I think maybe the the first time we go live, we might talk about this very subject and get 
get people asking some questions. I would I would love to take some questions on it. You know what idea. I mean? I think that's a great idea. I think that's a great idea. Well, guys, that is all we have for you today. Um, we're going to be back very, very soon with another episode. Uh, in fact, we're going to be back next week. But in the meantime, guys, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And we will see you on the next one. You're still here? It's over. Go home. <laughs>